the HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Welcome to this episode of Conversations with Jeff. Um, as you know, I've been adding on some uh, contributors to the Gatekeepers website and just kind of trying to get more voices out there, discuss the issues. At, instead of just having my point of view, let's have a multiple point of views. And so one of our contributors is Dustin Faulkner. He's our guest on this episode. And so welcome to the conversation, Dustin, and glad we can kind of all get a chance to get to know you and uh, hear your perspective on, on a lot of issues that are going on. Awesome. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Of course. And so um, so one thing that I do with pretty much everybody the first time I have them on is just give you a chance to share your testimony, how God saved you and how he, he kind of worked that out. Okay. Well, I'll do a quick rundown. Uh, I'll go over my YouTube real, real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had uh, really caring and loving parents. Uh, my father was a hardworking man. Uh, he worked two jobs uh, to try and support the family. Um, you know, he had other kids to pay for, uh, child support and, uh, two previous marriages. Um, and my mom was a stay at home mother. She, uh, did really well, uh, with us. She, she did her best to teach us and instill into us what she understood as Christian values. Uh, we, I come from a, a family who was, uh, my grandfather was basically, uh, Native American and, he, um, sorry about that. He, and, and his, his, he had a German father. So they practice a lot of my stuff. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, he, he practiced a lot of, uh, um, uh, shamanism. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the, as a native American, there was a lot of that, uh, in there, you know, so we had a lot of, uh, outside <laughs> spiritual things. Uh, interwoven throughout the youth and like um we attended church uh one of the churches that my father took us to was the vineyard uh and it was pretty charismatic church uh and uh you know now that i know what i know now i would say that it isn't a church i would have chosen um but uh he tend that's what he tended to gravitate toward my mom did and like i said you know there's that shamanism from uh my uh grandparents and and not that they meant for that to be a bad thing uh, i think it was more culture uh, so uh, today i think that i could have explained them out of it mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh anyway so i had a pretty rough rough uh teen years uh, i was kicked out of the house at um at 16 i i got pretty rebellious uh because of my youth growing up, things happened uh, that uh, it, it wasn't wasn't good. Um, and, you know, like I said, my father and my mother always tried to care for us, but outside circumstances and outside people caused problems for us. And uh, especially my father, 
and, and I might go over that some other time because, you know, I haven't spoken to all of them about this and mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to embarrass them in public. Right. Uh, even though it's, it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's actually pretty good. Uh, I think that would be uh, good for testimony, but I, I'm not comfortable with sharing that just yet. Of course. Uh, but anyway, uh, my father had kicked me out. I was pretty rebellious. Uh, I, and it was a good thing. Uh, and a bad thing because I didn't have any kind of people there. I got around bad people, uh, and I didn't ever get into any kind of law trouble. Uh, but uh, I wasn't success driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I wanted to do good things as far as I knew, but I was mad at everything. I was mad at the world. I was mad at people around me. Uh, I was made fun of a lot. Um, you know, uh, the people I was with, you know, they already had problems themselves, mental problems. Uh, they weren't Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, they let us drink, uh, smoke. I never did any drugs, even though my father did think I was doing drugs. Yeah. Uh, I never did any of that. Uh, I, I just drank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even then, it wasn't very often. Um, I would say that maybe, you know, you go to a party or something, and it, when I say party, you'd be with maybe five, six people drinking, but you'd get hammered. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, you, you do that stuff in, in your youth and uh, you're not focused on anything but that. You're focused on being around those people. You're focused on being around things that make you feel good. And that was what made me feel good. And it wasn't a good thing for me. Uh, I had a girl that I was dating at the time. She didn't know a whole lot about that. I kept that kind of stuff from her about you know my home life uh but you know she was somebody i cared for and i really uh wanted a sense of belonging really bad uh in my youth uh and you know because like i said i was made fun of by students teachers teachers were uh made fun of me a lot um you know where i came from teachers they would uh join with the students in 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 picking on anybody different Mm -hmm. uh and and it wasn't that I was like this weird outcast guy. I was just, you know, I guess as a teenager, you're stressed out. You don't know what to do when things like that happen. So uh, this particular girl, I wanted to marry this girl, you know, cause honestly, I wanted to get married at that age. And, and because I wanted to be, to have something that I didn't feel I was getting. Uh, and I wanted to be somebody that could do that. But in that state, I, I, I couldn't have anyway, you know, uh, uh, one day I'd gone over her house and I'd seen a photo of her father, uh, and you know, he was in his army uniform and I wanted to be that. I wanted to impress this guy cause the guy hated me and, and, you know, fathers know though, they yeah. know, uh, Hey, that guy's going nowhere. What's he going to do for my daughter? Um, and so it was pretty mean to me. Uh, and honestly, I asked for that. Uh, I thought I could outsmart the guy, but I didn't. Uh, so I decided to go in the army because I wanted to impress him. Of course, that wasn't good because she, uh, she didn't take it like that. She dumped me for it. <laughs> dumped me for going in, <laughs> yeah. into the military, which is, you know, that was good. Yeah. I went to the military. Um, I had a, a good time there and I loved to serve my country. I learned a lot. I ended up getting hurt later on in a training exercise and fractured my spine. Mm. 
and uh, became a gimp, <laughs> and they didn't want to – especially with my MOS, you know, in airborne and, and communications, the heavy lifting and everything, they didn't want to keep you around. So the towers had just fallen, and uh, they pretty much sent me out on my way. Um, and so after that, I didn't know what to do anymore. Uh, you know, about that time, you we had – the country was going through the – after the towers had fallen, uh, the dot com bust was around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really bad, and when you already don't know where you're going anymore, because that was my only plan was to go in the military, do well, uh, get married, have kids, uh, become a better person. Um, oh, I forgot to mention uh, before I did go in there, I went to a mega church, and that's where I thought I got baptized and was saved. Because okay. uh, I was like, well, I'm going to die. I might as well right. get right with God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you know, it, you and I know that's not what we do. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, well, it's it's kind of, it's kind of that get out of jail free card. You know, it's like like I got I, I got to make sure my bases are covered. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> so, well, you could already tell that the fruit wasn't there with me because as soon as I had found out I was getting discharged, I. I had some really great battle buddies, but I ended up with the people that were getting kicked out <laughs> anyway. Okay, yeah. So I ended up back into partying a lot. And, uh, I was with a, another woman at that time. Uh, she was older than me. Uh, she had a child. And like I said, you know, I was always trying to mm-hmm. have somebody, uh, to fill in a gap that, you know, um, uh, it wasn't getting filled. Uh, cause I was trying to fill it with people mm-hmm. and, uh, trying to fill it with this false ideal that I could do these great things for people and, 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 um, make an impact. Uh, and, and so anyway, I was discharged and, you know, you have a woman like that. Uh, she really is looking to have somebody that could take care of her and her child. So I left Georgia after uh, I was discharged and came back to here in t- Texas, um, where I still continued to act like an, like well, an idiot. Uh, I went out, I partied a lot, I drank drank a lot. Um, I could never find a job. I had a hard time with that because I was already in pain all the time, still, mm-hmm. uh, and I was lost. I, I didn't know what to do. I was, you know. Here I was, I had everything going for me. I got in the military. They gave me a $50,000 sign-on bonus. They gave me the GI Bill. I got to choose my MOS. I was going to be airborne. And then it all came crashing down off of an accident. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I wanted to go to school, and I had that. But like I said, I had no direction, had no focus. I had no ability to understand and act the way that I needed to act, you know, cause the solution always to me to, to be done to me was just kind of, Oh, kick, kick him out or punish him harshly and then expect him to figure it out himself. And that's always where I was. Right. Um, and you know, like I said, that wasn't like a bad thing. It's not a hate thing that that happened. Uh, you know, that's how he understood to do. And it changed me in some mm-hmm. ways, but, so, uh, I ended up, uh, getting back in with the old crowd I was with. Um, this is about the time I met my current wife. 
Uh, you know, she's, she's Catholic. I started attending this Catholic Bible study. And the only reason I attended that Bible study was women. I wanted to pick up girls and, uh, you know, cause the other one that I just previously spoke about, she ended up leaving me cause she found that she thought I was after Claire. And I guess maybe I kind of was, but I wasn't, I didn't know, <laughs> but, uh, my wife ended up dating my best friend, uh, that didn't last very long because, like I said, my best friend uh, is a good guy, but he has no foundation himself. None of us did. Uh, we all, only thing we knew was go out and have fun, come home, make a few dollars at work, and go out and do it again. Right. Um, I guess also then I was pretty political, but and I thought I was a great Republican conservative, but as I look at it, I actually was more liberal than any of the other conservatives. I believed in abortion. I believed it. And the reason I believed in abortion, cause I was a fornicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I got with Claire. I didn't get with Claire. Uh, we hung out a lot. She came to these parties. She was not the type of person who did that. She was a, a good Catholic girl. Uh, and she was still in high school at the time, uh, 18. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, she still was able to hang out with us. Um, she came to some parties. Uh, she didn't go out a whole lot or, or hang out with a lot of people. Claire's really was a quiet person. Um, so she got around this guy who was wild and was partying and drinking and she absolutely hated me. Uh, she thought that I, I was a bad person. Uh, and she didn't like that. I drank all the time and, even her boyfriend, which was her best friend, did, and she didn't like all of that. You know, she kind of ended up coming along and started getting into these things with us and ended up becoming one of us. Mm-hmm. So they ended up breaking up. Claire and I, later on, we had started dating. And um, it wasn't that long because I was still drifting from house to house. Uh, my father didn't want me to come back home for obvious reasons. Uh, I was acting wild. I was doing crazy things. And so... Uh, I ended up going and living with Claire. Uh, her dad let me come there. Uh, and, you know, he was just trying to help. Uh, he's a, he's always trying to help people. He reminds me a lot of my father. My father was always trying to help people, uh, even troubled people. Uh, and so he just was doing what he knew best. And it wasn't the right thing to do because, you know, uh, Claire and I were doing things we shouldn't have been doing. Um we ended up moving out, moving in together. Uh, so uh, about we'd been living together five years, doing all of these things. I got another job, which is the current place that I work right now. And this FedEx delivery driver came. And the big guy used to play for – he was going to be playing for Green Bay. He was uh, played for uh, SFA okay. uh, in college. He ended up getting hurt. but So now he's delivering and stuff. The guy uh, – came around there so you know i worked back in the warehouse and i was talking to this guy and he knew me for about one week and then he, he looked at me and he said you're going to hell and i what i'm going to hell and then i said why am i going to hell i'm a christian i was baptized i was saved he said you're going to hell because you are fornicating with an unmarried woman and then I said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to hell because I'm in a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't go out and I cheat on here. So we're it's fine in God's eyes. But see, that's a key thing is I think that uh, 
he, you know, because he said that to me and he was direct and he didn't build some kind of rapport. Like I said, he knew me one week. Mm -hmm. And then he said that to me. And then he caused right there me to start thinking about I've been wrong all this time. Yeah. And I think that the problem with a lot of us is, is we're always out there trying to be somebody's friend and build this rapport instead of getting direct. Mm -hmm. If he was never direct with me, I would have continued on the path I was. So I started attending his church. Uh, we have some theological differences. They speak in tongues there and they do all of that stuff. Uh, and, and he knew that I was living with her. Uh, and it wasn't long. You know, we went into uh, Amway with him and attended all those conferences. So of course I got into more of the charismatic stuff mm -hmm. that, uh, speaking truth and speaking things into existence, name it and claim it. Yeah. I did all of that. Uh, and it wasn't working out for me. It was getting really bad. And I used to believe that I was having these visions and, and, uh, but, uh, Elvin ended up staying on me. He stayed on me. They, we'd go to these conferences and he would never let us, even if we were in the same hotel with them, sleep anywhere near one another we were uh we had to be separated and he set that standard mm -hmm. he ended up marrying us later uh you know i finally gave in and then i started seeing truth i started reading the bible more um i ended up hearing a program uh not a program uh, there was a local new local dj interviewed brandon house mm-hmm and I heard that guy, and I thought, man, I, I hate that guy. That guy thinks he knows everything. I, <laughs> I Who does he tell me, tell us that that we can't that that we're we're how can he tell me that I'm wrong in in my uh, name it and claim it and right, such? And, right. But he always talked about uh, reading the Bible and, and and doing it in context and using a correct esegesis. And um, when he did that, I started doing that more and more and more and more. And uh, then I started realizing I've been doing all of these wrong things. And I think that when I finally um, started doing that thing, I think I believe that that's a point that, that, you know, the Holy Spirit had been given to me by the Lord with grace. And I believe that I, it, it allowed me to understand what he has set forth in his word. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that's pretty much my testimony. That's, that's, it was learning, being uh, somebody confronting me about my sin directly and firmly and holding firm to that and no bones about it. Mm -hmm. Didn't worry about he was, he wanted me to be in his business or be his friend or a uh, sugarcoat anything. Straight told me I was going to hell. Yeah. And that was that point forward. It started changing me. And it took me time to get out of those things, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, like we never do sanctifica sanctification is a process. It's not like an instantaneous thing, you know? Right. Yeah. And so um, that's that's it for me. And ever since then, I've stayed in the ward. Uh, I've gotten better about things that I've been doing. I've learned to be a man over time. Uh, I, I started getting away from all the people we were around. Um, I started rejecting false uh, theologies. I started... Uh, rejecting false doctrine claire was no longer in the catholic church she follows all of this now she's mm -hmm. a a great biblical christian woman today um and and it, you know it's all because somebody had the guts to say stop doing what you're doing and this is why right uh but that's 
that's about where I come from. Okay, for sure. I mean, you know, in to me, I feel like that that's a very good testimony to the fact that I because I feel like what ends up happening is everybody says you have to build the rapport, you have to build the, the build the rapport, you got to be friends, you got to do all this kind of stuff, and you have to spend years building that trust before you can tell somebody the truth. And so it's interesting that a, a guy you know for a week, your FedEx delivery guy, tells you the truth after one week, and that's basically what led to you being saved, essentially. It's just, you know, like that's something that I think I wish more Christians would do to a certain degree, you know. So, you know, and I, and I know too, you know, following you on Twitter and seeing how you handle things, like you're very direct and you're very big into implementing that sort of thing. So um, now with your with your background, you were saying that, you know, you were going to some churches where they were, you know, this, the charismatic and speaking in tongues and, you know, like all that kind of stuff. Um, was that was that something that was difficult to come out of or was that something that, where even when you were in that, you realized that this wasn't legit or this wasn't for you? Well, uh, like I said, uh, I, I grew up doing those things, and um, there's never really any solid biblical teaching in, in those. It was always more about feelings, which, as you know with me, this, I'm not that guy anyway. Right. Uh, but uh, my, uh, my, the pastor I just – he uh, the guy who did that to me is also a pastor, and he's a pastor of this church, so I started attending his church. And I remember going there and <laughs> – the lady behind me is speaking in tongues. <laughs> I didn't like it already. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he was actually kind of offended because I challenged him on that. And this is before I'm really a Christian. Mm -hmm. I understood anything. And I was like, I, I don't believe in that. And, you know, I came from a Native American background. I come from a background where all these people do that. I always thought it was false. I always thought right. it was a bogus show. And he was offended by that. And, and that's... Like, see, they have their, some of these false doctrines, but I believe that, the, you know, that's a Christian man right there. He's just as stuck in this false doctrine. He said, you know, this is one of the reasons we don't go to the church anymore. I, right. I, it, was an, it took a long time before I even went to a Reformed church. Yeah. But uh, he, uh, he still was a clear-minded charismatic, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it did take me a long time to get out of, out of those things because – I was, uh, you know, I was, I had an issue in life. I started trying to be more successful. I wanted to things to happen. And the way they would always teach you is the only way that you're going to be successful is you're going to have to use what God did by not God called the world into existence. So you should be able to call everything that you want into existence. Yep. And when you're wanting things, mm -hmm. that's attractive to you. Yep. And so I didn't want to get out of that. And it used to always bug me so badly. Why does all these bad things still happen to me? And I haven't changed it all. Yeah, uh, but I I keep on claiming it every day. I'd be every morning walking to work in the rain. Uh, I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna be a millionaire. I'm going to be uh, there's a there's a, a giant SUV sitting in my driveway right now, and it kind of that kind of stuff. And yeah. it made you absolutely hopeless because mm -hmm. nothing that you were doing with that doctrine ever works out for you. In fact, it makes you uh, more away from God because you're not getting because he's not giving you what you're telling him to give him give to you right and uh, you're trying to put yourself in his power and we don't have that power mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah it took me a long time it took me years 
to get out. Right. But the more and more I read in the uh, the Bible, and the more and more that, like, because I listened to Brandon religiously since 2006. Mm-hmm. I never missed a program of him. I have him on my computer now since 2011. Except right. download him, and because uh, I started archiving his <laughs> stuff. But, but uh, uh, and, and uh, see, he said things all the time on that program about that would just absolutely anger me. But I always had been the top uh, person after my conversion. Why am I getting mad? Because he's saying something that makes me angry and it bothers me. And then he's challenging a belief system that I have. Okay. I need to figure out if he's telling me the truth instead of getting angry about it. Right. And so that's what I do is I'd go and I'd to the word of God and I try and find, well, what is he talking about? And why is he saying this? Is he correct? And by doing that more and more and more and more, I started driving out of the churches like that. It was years that we didn't even go to church, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I never stopped reading the Bible. Uh, I never stopped striving to understand everything around me based on scripture. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to have my own opinion of it. I wanted it to always be God's opinion. Right. Because God's opinion is the right one, no matter what. For sure. You know, and I, and I think, you know, like even for me, you know, you know, knowing Brandon and listening to his show and all that kind of stuff, you know, obviously he and I disagree on certain theological issues doesn't change the fact that I totally respect him and, you know, we're good friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I but I think that kind of what you were saying is is really important is that. When you have people that, you know, maybe they disagree with you a little bit or maybe they're pushing you a little bit on your belief system, whether it's somebody you're talking to or listening to on the radio or reading or whatever it is, it makes you start to think and it makes you start to force yourself to go back into God's word and be like the Bereans and compare what they're saying with scripture. And then you figure out, okay, is this legit or do I just not buy it? The argument's not good enough. You know, you start going through that mental exercise of figuring out what's true. And I feel like a lot of times you're not able to start going through that process until you have somebody challenge your belief system. And that's something that I, that I've always really appreciated about Brandon and his show is he's constantly getting back in the word, documenting everything. His books are like that thick full of like documentation. (laughs) And, you know, and again, whether you leave agreeing with him or not, you have to wrestle with the facts. You have to wrestle with what's true and what's not, and you got to do your own research and study. And so that's that's something that I've always appreciated about him and his ministry as well. So, um, so so with you, so with you now, you know, because you know you're starting to write, you know, on the gatekeepers, you know, you're you're doing some of your own stuff as well. Um, I, what's where's kind of like your theological background in the sense of like what's your perspective on you know kind of the essentials or what's what are the things that kind of are distinctive to you? Well, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. I um, like I said, I I'm not dispen- uh, Well, I'm not dispensationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I I, be- I I'm more from I suppose the historicist perspective. I believe that a lot of revelation has been fulfilled uh, and is still being fulfilled as we go. Um, I don't know now uh, that I necessarily believe in a rapture because especially the church that I go to uh, with Pastor John, uh, I can't beat that guy on 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 anything. Um, you know, he teaches it as is fulfilled. Uh, completely that 
AD 70 with um, Nero, uh, that, 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 that was it. Uh, now it's, everything's being perfected as we go. God, God's, um, Jesus Christ is still coming back and he's still going to fulfill the kingdom here. Um, uh, I don't think, I don't, I don't know if I, and this may be a misunderstanding on my part, but I don't think that this world's going to be blasted and destroyed. Like I uh, see a lot of people teaching that. Mm-hmm. And I think that by teaching that is why we get all these people saying, well, the, uh, it's happening a week from now or this month or that month. Right. Uh, uh, and I also believe that, um, you know, it's that I believe in grace. Um, but I, I also my perspective and my understanding is that uh, we're giving grace and that gives you the ability to choose God. I don't think that I don't understand anything it past like all of these people could just come in. I don't think that that's what it is. I believe that there are the elect mm-hmm. and God calls them and they hear and then they come to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because he chose them. He had you there before him. Uh, his eyes when he made you and you were chosen. Right. Uh, that's, that's where my perspective is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm just like everybody else. Right. I'm always learning and adjusting and trying to figure out things. But like I said, you know, I used to be a dispensationalist, I guess. Then I started attending this church and there was a time that I would have railed against the things at this church. But at the reformed church, I've learned that, because he never gets out of scripture. There's never any kind of a interjection of opinions on it or out my own interpretation or outside opinions on it. It's always goes to the Greek text and preaches to it. It took, it, you know, uh, the church I attended took him. We were in Romans for years. Oh, yeah. Every Sunday. That's and, awesome. And, and um, that's why I can't sit there and then and, and say that ever challenge him when I did go in there. I used to, mm-hmm. uh, when I first cause they have discussions after right. and I would challenge him on everything, but he'd beat me every mm-hmm. time. Yes. Yeah. Hey, this guy spent 40 hours a week getting ready for one sermon mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and use it. And he would translate from the Greek text. Um, but that, that's, that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I believe that, that, uh, you know, you, I believe in the five solos. I believe in that, that, you know, I believe in grace, the doctrines of grace, and I believe in the doctrines of elect. Um, and uh, I believe that revelation still has things to be fulfilled. Uh, okay. And as I said, I'm still learning. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. You know, and like, and like for me, you know, because um, so with with you, uh, is that is your like eschatology, eschatology, is that more amillennial then if you're if you're not believing in the rapture coming or like what what's your perspective on that? Uh, mm, I don't know if I necessarily adhere to amillennialism. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm still learning about that, too. Yeah. But uh, as a as a church where I attend, we, we don't adhere to to that okay. uh, we don't in, uh, in fact he, t- he doesn't teach a whole lot about millennialism at all uh, yeah uh, it's it's <laughs> it's we're here uh mm-hmm. god's perfecting the kingdom as we go uh you know uh that as as called ones as holy ones mm-hmm. that we are we have the ability to uh act in obedience to god and 
to uh, God builds his kingdom here on earth. All right. Okay. And, and, and it's being built as it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe that is all millennialism. Um, but I know that he's, uh, I always tend to agree with him on that, that, uh, that, uh, um, uh, I kind of lost my thought pattern there, but that, that uh, we're not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, we will be, have, we will be resurrected, uh, mm-hmm. when we die because it's appointed unto a man to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you are his, then you will be resurrected with a perfect body and all of that. Uh, right. So, like I said, I'm still studying all of that. Eschatology is a really difficult area, and I think that we all try to avoid that, but yeah. we have to talk about it. Man. Oh yeah, it, for sure. You know, and like and like for me too. You know, I I I feel kind of out of place a lot of times too because I almost hold two different perspectives at the same time. If that makes sense. So so I'm of the belief that there is going to be a rapture. I just I go back and forth between is it going to be pre-trib or mid-trib. Like I know it's not going to be post, but looking at scripture, I've found solid arguments for both pre and mid. And so like my perspective on that sort of thing is I would rather be prepared for the mid-trib the mid-trib rapture and be surprised that Christ came early than be preparing for the pre and then be so, and then be like, well, this was all wrong when it was really mid, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So I'd rather prepare <laughs> for the worse and then be pleasantly surprised when he comes early, you know? So that that's just kind of my thing. And obviously, you know, we could always go into more detail with that, but that's just kind of like my thing. And I feel like nobody, everybody was talks pre and post and amillennial. And then everybody lives at, leaves out the mid. And it's like, well, what if, what if it is the mid in everybody's, mid, you know, I don't know. That's just my thing. Um, so, um, so then, and then going into a little bit, cause I know you're, you're pretty active on your, you know, Twitter and that sort of thing when it comes to like politics and that sort of thing as well. Um, where, where do you see how the church should or shouldn't be involved with a lot of the kind of the political issues that we're facing as a country today? Well, <laughs> Because we have to live in this world as Christians, we live in a country where we've had an amazing ability to go out there and and spread the gospel in a manner that has been unheard of before that. Uh, And I think that we have to be active in politics. Uh, I don't think that we need to be passive about it. Uh, I think that you need to learn what Scripture says about the things and go uh, and and make sure that the government is adhering to those principles that, that as soon as we start allowing um, certain things to happen, uh, we start losing ground. Um, I think that we all need to be active in that. You always need to be trying to get the person that's going to be the best for the job. Uh, they're not always going to be Christian. Uh, and so you just need to make sure that they are obeying Christian principles, whether they're Christian or not, mm-hmm. because we can't, I don't think that we need to be out there um, rioting and doing these these crazy protests. I remember um, that I used to get – this is before I was saved. Um, I would get really angry about Planned Parenthood protesters, and it was more about how they carried themselves and acted because you couldn't hear them anymore. They're out there doing the same thing the other guys are doing. Right. I don't think that we want to do that. I think that – we go out there and we stand for a truth and then we don't act 
crazy about it uh, because nobody's going to listen to a bunch of people yelling at you all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that as Christians, we need to be active as much as possible in the political arena because we're not always going to be the ones holding office, but the ones holding office are always going to be the ones doing what we need them to do in order that we may live our lives out in obedience. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm coming from on the whole political arena. Right. Of course. And that, and that makes perfect sense. And I, and I, and I think too, um, you know, I, th I think an important distinction that we have to make as believers is that obviously government's not going to save us. Like, you know, we, we, we're not transforming the government to be like a Christian government that is imposing our will on everybody else. Um, but at the same time, I think that, What's happened with the church recently is that I think I feel like the church has lost its voice in the sense of people are either involved promoting the socialism and the Marxism and all that kind of stuff, or there's the other camp that is like, hands off, I'm not dealing with politics, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna handle this. Whereas there's kind of this happy medium where we can we can be voices for truth. Um, and freedom and liberty at the same time. And I think that that is kind of a nuanced argument that I feel like the church is, is really missing out on. Because obviously, we want freedom of religion. But in order to have freedom of religion, we have to extend that freedom to all religions, not just our own, and then try to shut down everybody else over here. So um, so where, where, where are you when it comes to uh, dealing with, kind of, you know, I feel like there's been a lot of the trying to enforce morality coming out of the church over the last, you know, like decade or whatever it is, where are you on that sort of thing? Whether it's dealing with, you know, homosexuality within politics or whether it's dealing with, you know, drug use or, um, you know, even abortion to a certain degree, where, what issues should the church be trying to legislate versus what issues should the church not be trying to legislate from a legal perspective? Well, um, we don't live in a theocracy. So obviously we're going to have all of these people living around us and they're going to sin no matter what. Um, so you can legislate that all day long. They're going to break the law. Uh, because what we need to be doing is, is giving them the word and make the word change them. That's, that's what works instead of us telling them we can't, you can't go out and do that. Now, certain things need to be illegal. Um, I personally, uh, the sodomy laws that have been around, especially when you go into the older municipalities and stuff, I'm not against those. I think that, you know, uh, it, at least they weren't out there parading around uh, in their depravity when there were those laws. Uh, they may have been practicing that stuff. And, you know, nobody was going and enforcing it anyway, but the law was there. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I... <laughs> I think it's really hard to, anyway to legislate morality. Like I just said, people are going to do it anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, but also I just said too that the law is is there, so they weren't out there forcing it uh, like they're now now because they're taking away the the, the laws like uh, you know legislating from the bench and, and allowing uh, sodomite marriage, uh, which isn't even marriage, sodomite unions mm -hmm. um, that. Now it's causing a standard that we need to get rid of more and more of the things that the laws that we had kept morality at the forefront rather than the back. And so now we're going to have a bunch of people doing what they do in the streets. Now, now they do that stuff in front of children, man. Um, mm -hmm. 
I think that we should outlaw that for sure things like abortion and stuff. It's got to be. Will it ever happen? I don't think that's ever going to happen. But we yeah. got to continually fight for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because, period, there's just no way around it. There's that's murder. It's it's murder, and that's something you need to stop. And that's something that we can legislate and stop. Are they going to go and do what they call their back alley abortions? Yeah, but you're still committing murder. Mm-hmm. And you, when you get caught doing that, you are going to prison for that, and you're going to have a lifetime of problems because you, uh, with your body because you did that. So yeah. there are certain things that we can. There's certain things that we can't. I believe that we shouldn't be doing anything that would lend, uh, like it's okay to go out there and and and, and disobey scripture, like sodomite marriage and stuff. But down to, to certain things, because uh, <laughs> there's gray areas, so we can't go out there and then make this giant theocracy and stuff because you know as christians we have liberties mm-hmm. and then you go and you have all these denominations certain denominations are against this and against that and it's a lot of its opinions on scripture but if they get in control start legislating what they call their morality then this country is going to be crazy then our liberty as christians is gone and mm-hmm. we can't make the choice of whether we're going to do the sin or go so far as to where it becomes a sin right. so uh, that that's where I stand on that. So, yeah. That, yeah. And, and I, and I kind of feel like to a certain degree, when you start getting into legislating morality, it, it becomes this popularity contest of which morality is going to be the most popular. And then mm-hmm. that, that can swing drastically in a very short period of time as we're seeing in our country today to a certain degree. Um, you know, so like for, for example, you know, for a while, there was a bunch of states, and there was even a push on the federal level to ban gay marriage, right? Well, we we were trying so hard to ban gay marriage that all of a sudden, now the opposite side is is gaining popularity, and then now they're going, now they're passing all the laws that are completely the opposite way. Whereas my perspective is, why don't we just get the government out of marriage altogether? And because in all reality, it's it's a it's a pledge between me, my wife and God, right? And so as long as they don't force us legally to have to perform their weddings that we believe are sinful, I feel like, why don't we just get the government out? And then that way the government can't impose the marriage laws on any of us to a certain degree. So that's kind of my libertarian bent on it <laughs> to a certain degree, you know? Um, but, you know, it, 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 it kind of gets rough to a certain degree when you're kind of like wading the waters of what, what should be legislated, what shouldn't be, you know, what's freedom, what's not. And, you know, obviously with abortion, it's like, of course, we have to take a stand on that. Um, But like I was kind of saying in the podcast last week, I'd rather take baby steps in the right direction than not take any steps at all. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, like I feel like a lot of times we have people that are on the right that are really pushing to ban abortion altogether. And it's like you're you're not going to do that when the country split 50-50. But right now you could take like little baby steps. And as long as we're heading in the right direction, we're saving some lives and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. I feel like that's something that we could unify around to a certain degree. So, um, so, and then kind of jumping off of the, um, you know, off the politics and that sort of thing, like I was kind of mentioning a little bit earlier, we're seeing a lot of kind of the politics, the leftist politics and the socialism, that sort of thing infiltrating into the church now too. Um, what are you seeing when it comes to that sort of stuff entering the church? Because I know we're seeing it from everybody from like guys like Matt Chandler or Tabidi or the Gospel Coalition and that sort of thing. Like where, what, what, 
what, in your opinion, does the church really need to be aware of to protect us against that kind of stuff? Well, see, that that's also an issue of you have people, they don't read the Bible at all. Uh, because I think that, I believe that if you're reading the Bible, that when you start seeing these people enter the church, you'll identify them by their acts, um, by what they say. This guy talks a pretty, a pretty game, but uh, you're not lining up with scripture. But a lot of people can't get in there, and this includes me on some things, uh, but I, you know, you always got to go back. And I think that if you have more people actually getting and understanding and, and, and learning the Bible, that those people would have a hard time entering the church. But it's because we as America live on culture. Uh, we have to be entertained at all times. We have to we have to be pleased and we have to have these fun things to do all the time. And, and, and because of that, we're distracted by these things. And that's why you always have people say, well, I found to read the Bible. Yeah, it's because you have, Build your life up with unnecessary stuff. Yeah. Um, it's great to have them, but now the people that are infiltrating the church—they're uh, very intelligent. Um, you know, you, the the Marxists—they're patient people. Uh, they've been doing it for longer than you and I have been alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that the, to me, that stuff's been happening decades before you and I became leaders in the church. Right. So we actually have—we're uh, uh, actually seeing what's been paved a long time ago. And now it's because things have happened to where it's in the forefront and because you have people like you and you have people like me out there, uh, Brandon House, um, talking about these things, it's more, people are more aware of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that we're going – I think we're going to see it decline more and more. Um, you know, um, <sighs> the guy – I've, I've seen some – pretty conservative churches myself just absolutely fall by the wayside and that's because they start allowing these things to come in or <laughs> or because we we live in a you got to go and get a degree and be in, in college and stuff all the time so now these seminaries have become that these these you know credentials and papers so they st- they go and they hire these guys in which is you know the hiring so you have these intellectuals that are entering the church and they have that worldview being taught to them by the Marxists. That's why you have people like Matt Chandler. That's why you have people like Rick Warren and all of that because of the seminaries are teaching the falsehoods of those things because those people are in the seminaries. Mm -hmm. So um, what can we do uh, about that? Read my opinions, keep talking about it. Uh, Keep educating people about it because, uh, Face it, they, uh, not a lot of people are listening. They, they don't hear. They don't see these things because uh, there's so much going on. We're uh, even outside of just those things that we're always have our minds here and we're not seeing it happen here. It's really difficult to do all of that because, uh, you know, we can all, not any one of us can go without being fooled by some one person. Right. Uh, and so, the, you know, you, you just time after time, like I heard Janet Mefford say, <laughs> Uh, that uh, you know i'm kind of paraphrasing but i heard her say that they could be these great nice people and then later on you're going to find out they're not good people that they've had you fooled all along Mm -hmm. and it's and you see it by their fruit and when she said that you know that was awesome that that's the problem is because you know every 
Christian wants to be nice to people, period. Mm -hmm. And they're fooled because of their understanding of what tolerance is. They're fooled because nobody wants to be mean to one another. And we can't do that. You have to take a, a, st a firm stand on Scripture. And I think that will start to get a lot of these people out. But sometimes I, I feel like, man, it's just so deep it's too late at times. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I, I don't know what you might think on that, but I know that I'm not stopping. I'm right. not quitting, and I'm never going to be quiet about it. Right. You so. know, I, I, feel, I feel like we're, we're kind of at that Martin Luther moment in modern-day church history. We need, the, we need a reformation. We need to make a list and deal with the issues head-on right now because I feel like, like you were saying, the, the roots of all of this have gotten in so deep. That I'm literally looking around at all the major leaders that, you know, I used to look up to, I used to respect, and that sort of thing. And I'm seeing compromise happening left and right. And it's crazy to me because I'm literally thinking there's 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 nobody left that's not really compromising, at least on the major conference circuit, mm. the guys that are selling the books. And it's not to be this kind of, uh, you know, everybody sucks kind of a thing. But at the same time, it's like, who who do we look up to that's not going to be leading us astray? And th there was one person that, that told me, and they were saying that the speakers that you see at the conferences, a lot, of, a lot of them, if not all of them that you see on the main stage, have compromised in order to get there. Mm -hmm. It's the second and third tier guys that you want to be looking to. It's the guys that are in the breakout sessions. It's the guys that are leading a mid-sized church that, you know, maybe they're not on the conference circuit. They're not putting out books all the time. And it's, but it's, it's really sad that a lot of the modern day greats are compromising kind of, kind of left or right, left and right. Um, now I know that one of the, one of the issues that's really been really big go right now in the church is the social justice as well as um, kind of the, the race issues that have really been brought up lately and that's dealing with in anything from like retribution to um, just, you know, it's almost like certain churches have to admit that they're racist in order to fix things, I guess. Um, mm. What's, what's kind of, what's, what's been your take on a lot of these, especially the gospel coalition type pastors that are really making a big deal out of these kind of social justice issues? Well, uh, because we largely have uh, a generation of younger people that that's all they've been taught. Um, and they see it all the day, every day on TV, on their radio and music, uh, the books that they read, if they're reading books um, there. Uh, and so th they get forced for this book. There was this one time uh, I had this play, this uh, truck, pull up and pull these pallets off um and it was pallets of books and, and it was a lot of books and i looked at those books and it was going to a place called pine cove uh, pine cove over here is like a christian camp um and uh the and they force feed these kids these books and the book was tim keller book. Mm -hmm. uh, now i can't remember the name of the book uh, honestly but I told the trucker, I asked him, where's it going? And he said, Pineco. I was like, no, we just need to use this as firewood, you yeah. know, because it's better. 
if this ever got lost, then it go into there because those kids are going to read it and they're going out into the world and they're, it's so easy for them to start teaching those social justice issues because you have the people, as you just said, that, you know, I've already been compromised out there as the leaders putting out all these great books, you know, so-called, uh, and that's what's made it easier for them. So now we have, you know, some pretty guy come in here, uh, some pretty boy and, and he can say all these great things because it makes the emotion of the heart of these young people get inflamed because they, they that's something that they've been taught to believe. And so it's easy to start rushing it all throughout the church now because now the church no longer is like – they're, they're no longer like, here's the standard, and we're going to do the standard. No, we need to start uh, being friends with everybody, and we need to start – uh, the whole seeker sensitive thing where, uh, well, we need to have a traditional, uh, uh, a traditional worship and then the contemporary worship. So then you have everybody separated. So you got the older people over here and then the younger people over here. And I'm not somebody who's so much opposed to what music you're doing it as long as it's scriptural and, and, and you're doing what you're supposed to in church. You're not just going there to be entertained. But so, automatically you're getting pulled over here by these people who are having these contemporary worships and all of the Marxists and all of those people are there. Cause why? Because young people are idealistic. They have, they, they want to do something good. They want to do, to be nice. They want to make their, they want to have an impact on the world. And unfortunately the impact that they are being taught to have on the world is the wrong one. It is the one where they are going out, and saying, well, you've been treated so bad because of your race, when that's completely not even true. Like um, the church I went to, the guy who saved me out of that, and I went this year, was a black church. Mm-hmm. We were like the only white people that went there. All right. So that race thing is only a perception that they're driving into these people. And so, like I said, these people are idealists and they want to make an impact. And then they read these books that make them feel so great. And then so it's easy to start doing doing the social justice and, and, and doing the uh, uh, Marxism because uh, it makes them feel like they're making an impact because they all believe that same thing. And that's why I think that these uh, people are able to come in there so easily. Right. Now, now do you think from, from your perspective, do you think that a lot of these leaders that are really pushing this, do you think that they're doing it um, out of – "Quote unquote compassion," or do you think that they're really just trying to change biblical truth? Like you know, you know, and I keep I keep going back and forth in my mind of are these are these mainstream pastors that are really pushing this? Are they just naive and uh, misinterpreting scripture unintentionally, or is it more sinister? And I keep going back and forth because you you look at scripture. And it's like, how do you how do you come to that conclusion when when you just look at scripture that, you know, and that that's where I start thinking, is this more intentional? Is this more Mm. sinister? Not to be so conspiracy theory, but it's I don't know how you come to that conclusion looking at scripture. Well, uh, I think it's absolutely intentional. Why? You've had these guys who who have spent decades writing books and telling you what scripture means. They know what it means. So what they're doing is they've gained a leadership platform, and now they're hitting what you call critical mass. And so the critical mass is that 
all of the people already are believing what they say. So now their mask comes off. So now we get to see the truth form of this person who's been there. You can know everything about the Bible and still be against it. Mm-hmm. And now, because they've made themselves the expert, now they can go and change what it's being said. Oh, well, I was actually wrong all of this time. This is what it truly means. And so, because they've made themselves an expert and the other people consider them to be experts, goes back to what I was saying. They're not reading their Bibles. They don't, they do not hold the teacher accountable to scripture. Instead, they hold scripture accountable to the teacher. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's absolutely intentional. Are there some that's, you know, uh, well-meaning, uh, unfortunately? Well, I think that with some people, um, I, I guess I, I'm just going to say a name. Uh, I still love this person immensely. Like Justin Peters, man. Uh, that's somebody I adored. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that he's more not intentional. He's out of compassion. And because of the group you're in, he will, you know, he's just trying to do what he does. But now he's getting more and more because they driving, they, they, they are driving what he believes now because birds of a feather flock together, man. Yeah. Uh, you start getting around those people, you become those people. What, and what, what, think, what's your, what's your concern with some of the stuff that he's been saying and doing and that sort of thing? Well, uh, my concern is that, uh, he has this uh, false understanding to me of how you should be uh, treat somebody that's of a false religion. Um, you know, uh, it thinks that we need to treat them as an equal uh, platform as Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's going around teaching people that, that, that you could say that that guy's such a, that, that you can have this dialogue and uh, put scripture aside for the capture of the person you're speaking to. Um, and I'm seeing him do that more and more. And it's, it's, it's sad. I don't know. Is it because you're going out to all these tribes and with your missionary work and you're spending so much time that you end up loving the people so much that you, you, that scriptures aside from the love for the person, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, fleshly feeling um and it's troubling me that he's out there uh he says that we need to be able to uh, uh bring muslims into the church and then allow them to have speaking platforms and when that's just like uh well i have chickens outside okay mm-hmm. am i going to take uh, a fox and then say okay come in here and then hang out with the chickens a little bit and let them get to know you yeah. And tell him where you're coming from. What's he going to do? He's going to let me come, bring him in there, and he's going to eat all my chickens and the eggs too. Mm-hmm. And that's what Justin Peters and uh, James White and all those guys done. And you know what? It's largely worked. Because mm-hmm. um, that's why when people like you or me say something about it, <laughs> we're tackled by a mass of people all the time to where it goes into the morning hours at night. And, oh, yeah. It, 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 it's it's it. been it's been intense <laughs> and uh so that's what concerns me is because you know uh, uh his definitely his under misunderstanding of interfaith dialogues mm-hmm. uh, like i could sit here and then uh, let's say that you were a, mu- uh, a muslim i could sit here and talk to you on this platform of video chat and tell you well this is what scripture says and this is what the quran says and i have the quran sitting right in front of me the generous quran and I'm going to pull that out there, and then I'm going to pull out my Bible. I'm going to tell you, well, yours says this, and then the Word of God says this. 
that's where you got to do is you got to tell them, well, yeah, I understand this is what you believe, but this is what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't bring them into there because when you start putting anybody in the pulpit, those are now experts to the audience. Right. And they're going to listen to whatever they say. Yeah. Well, and, and, and just to, and just to give some people that are watching this a little a little bit of context who may maybe, you know, weren't following along with that whole debate that we're kind of talking about is that this is what we're dealing with is the response to James White having the interfaith dialogue with a Muslim imam named Yasser Qadi. And there there was a lot of debate and to put it mildly, um, going back and forth on this issue. And so the, but the concern that a lot of us have had with this issue is that there there was the event it was it one of the nights happened within a church and it was to it was the stated goal was to create community and to compare and contrast uh the the similarities and the differences between Islam and Christianity and and whether or not it was said in name, it was it was really putting Islam and Christianity on the same playing field and the same platform. And even though they they were saying that well one is right and one is wrong, it was it was never really Christianity is true, Islam is false. If if and so that be, kind of becomes our concern. And then going into Justin Peters a little bit. Um, at a conference that he was speaking at, he said that Islam is not a spiritual threat to the church. And he's, and his justification for that is that there's once saved, always saved. And so then that means that Islam could never steal anyone from the Christian church. So what, what would be your response to that defense of James White doing that? Because basically what he's saying is, why are you concerned about that? Because that's not a threat at all. Be, because the the <laughs> it is a threat because first of all these people you start allowing them to uh, just because somebody's once saved always saved doesn't mean that there are people there that aren't saved and they're going to start joining hands with these uh, with Islamists um, which you know James White is hanging out and around uh, and they're going to harm people. Because see, it's our duty, even as Christians, to protect those who don't believe. Uh, you know, I mean, well, all, all believe, th- those who don't faith. Because mm-hmm. right? that right there, it's a, it's a political uh, religion. It's um, they go around harming people. They, they're commanded that they can rape little girls, uh, and it's not even rape. That that's their right to do. Even little boys, it's in there. Um, and I believe that. The, the if you're going to tell me that well it won't save always save it doesn't matter no it, it it does matter because you have still a responsibility to protect the other people around you whether they are of the faith or not and you know that what the ideology of that uh religious system is and it's a dangerous one and so you you you're also going to take a bunch of people who already have a negative view of Christianity and then they're going to do what they always do. Oh, well, he's a Christian. And he says it's okay. So you're giving them permission to do these things. And uh, you're, uh, th- there's a, in Ezekiel, uh, I don't remember the exact scripture, but I remember it, this one really impacted me that the blood's on your hands. Uh, if you, uh, about 
whether you when you tell somebody that they're doing the wrong thing and if you don't tell them it's still on your hands mm -hmm. but once you tell them and you warn them it's off of your hands now because you vocally warned them and told them through the scripture and we can't we can't uh it, the once save always save thing that that's an excuse to say well i could do what i want to do mm -hmm. no it, once saved always saved means that you have a responsibility to put scripture first and the people that you are trying to reach first and not bring a, to a false Christ on the same platform. So you're doing a bad job by saying once saved, always saved and then e equating these people to those people. Right. So, you know, and, and, and what, what was interesting to me about that argument is that, um, and it's not to nitpick too much on Justin because, because here's, here's the thing about Justin. And I've said this on, you know, Twitter, um, and publicly as well is that he does have a very good ministry of dealing with the word of faith and the charismatics. Like he, he's spot on when it comes to the gospel. He's spot on when it comes to confronting the, the people within the charismatic movement that are leading people astray with their false gospel and that sort of thing. So I want to give him credit where credit's due in the sense mm -hmm. of he does mm -hmm. have a very good ministry with that. Um, but if he's going to use that logic, of Islam's not a spiritual threat to the church because once you're saved, you're you can't ever be unsaved. So why is word of faith a threat to the church? Why is the social gospel a threat to the church? Because you could you could apply that same logic that you're applying to Islam and apply that to word of faith and apply that to the social gospel, and those shouldn't be threats to the church as well because nobody can lose their salvation. And so, mm. so my thinking is that the, each of those things are threats to the church and threats to the gospel because what they're doing is they're compromising the gospel. They're giving us a false Jesus. And even though those of us that are saved, we're never going to lose our salvation, that's going to impact our future ability to proclaim the gospel faithfully mm. to the masses in the future. So mm. if, if we're compromising now, those of us that are saved, we're not going to lose our salvation. But it could impact the gospel that we're going to be preaching 10, 15, 20 years down the line, if there's no distinction between Islam and Christianity, Oh, we both worship the same God. We both believe in Jesus. Like even talking to me on Twitter, Yasser Qadi, and this is like six, eight months after their interfaith dialogue. He literally said to me on Twitter in response to, to a conversation that James White and I were having that he believes in Jesus too. And there was no response and no, anything from James White who was tagged in the conversation or anything. And I'm like, if, wow. ja if James had, had made that distinction so clearly that we don't believe in the same Jesus, if he had made that distinction so clearly, why is Yasser Qadi telling me that we both believe in Jesus? You know what I mean? Like mm. that's compromise. That's going, that's affecting the gospel. And this is one of those things where even the good guys, I think the guys that have good theology for whatever reason, they're, they're compromising right now. And I just don't understand why. I mean, maybe you've got some insight that I don't have, but for whatever reason, I'm seeing that everywhere I turn, even the good guys are compromising. I just don't get it. Right, right. I think that uh, that you know uh, the good guys that are compromising. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a part of something, and nobody wants. We've come a lot into we trying to accept everybody now. Um, and nobody wants to be firm or, or tough unless you have your group around you. And then 
to me now you have people that's compromising. Is it because the group that you've been around is going that direction and they're going to leave you behind and you're not going to be able to have the guts to stand out there because your group's not going to have your back anymore? Is is that the issue? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, your posse is leading you and not scripture. Um, right. If you're really truthfully love the Lord, I don't need those friends. And I've left people because of that. I've left family members because of that until they do what I was talking about. And I've, I, their compromise seems to be, that's my group. I gotta, I gotta defend them or sh- uh, I can't, I, I know they may be doing something wrong, but I can't say anything against them because that's my boys mm-hmm. and I don't want to be alone. Right. Maybe that's it. And me, you know, I've always grown up where I've had very minimal amount of friends. So that's not ever been an issue with me. And I've all, you know, you just got to stand firm, man. Uh, it, if they don't start speaking up and, and making a stance, what are they going to be able to do when they look in the mirror and see that you've lost three generations of children to the ideology you said was not a spiritual threat to the church? Right. Because that's what's going to happen. They follow the leaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and again, it's like, like you were just saying, it's like this, this any compromise that we're seeing now is going to have massive effects on future generations. And we're seeing that now too because you know in the you know we we're seeing the effects of the extreme uh, evangelical uh, political push that was happening in the in the 90s and that sort of thing with Jerry Falwell and all that kind of stuff. We're seeing the result of the seeker sensitive movement coming out of Willow Creek. We're seeing the major uh, compromise that's happening from the like Hillsong we're, we're seeing compromise happening everywhere. And once that gets accepted into the church, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And it's like, if we're going to start saying that it's okay for somebody to partner with false teachers and want to write books with them and want to bring them up on the stage inside of a church and, you know, teach the church about this false religion from the mouth of the false teacher, it's like, that's going to have major rippling effects in the future because you like, for example, James white is a smart guy. He knows mm-hmm. his stuff. He, he understands apologetics. He understands false religions. He gets that. Maybe he's smart enough not to, not to give an inch maybe, but somebody who's not as smart as he is, who's following his example. They're not as smart to where they could be led astray and they, they could allow something to, impact their congregations that maybe James White wouldn't have. And it's it's setting a bad precedent. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of these guys that are big names, they don't think about the example that they're setting. They're thinking, I'm smart enough not to be led astray. But what about the people that are following you? Mm. Right, right. You know, uh, uh, man, that that was awesome. Because uh, that that's absolutely what is going to happen. I mean, uh that's the whole. Uh, <laughs> you can look, look, look. I don't like arguing with people either. Uh, I don't like hurting people's feelings. I don't like 
causing a ruckus. I don't have a whole lot of time for that or the patience. Uh, but on the other side is <laughs> I've been given to know it's my responsibility to show. And because it, it, he's not doing that, uh, he, you know, um, you're going to have everybody trying to be like him and they can't defend it. And so the other guys are going to win. And then they're going to be walking around holding hands with these people and being their friend. And um, I, I think that, that I think he's going to, James White is going to be severely heartbroken in the next five years, probably because of what he's done. And he's going to look back and he's going to say, I could have stopped that by just saying I was wrong. Let's not do this. Now, I have to go and it's even harder to fix the people that you taught that was okay. Cause then they're going to not want to listen to you because you said it was okay to begin with. Mm -hmm. And now they've been doing it for years. And now there's a mosque every 15 minutes like Walmart. Yeah. And, uh, now you're, you, you're going to be severely heartbroken because now the people that were in the audience with this very, very good jihadi just had their nine-year-old daughter forced into marriage with the Islamists. And he's going to say, why? Why did I let that happen? And he's going to be sick to his stomach and he's going to have regret. And I can tell you from personal experience, regret is one of the worst feelings ever. Mm -hmm. It can last forever. Yep. And that's what's going to happen to him. And I would say that, James, we've only been tough on you for all this long because we know that you have the capability to steer people the right direction. And we don't want you to have the regret of everybody else in the UK. And that's where it comes right back to... Uh, what you said earlier about we are it we, we're in a reformation now it's starting now and uh those men are going to be on the wrong side of the reformation sadly yeah yeah you know and and I, and I think that you know i you know kind of like what you were saying too i think that a lot of us that have been vocal in confronting the this group of men, this group of pastors and that sort of thing. We're not doing it because we're trying to destroy them. We're not doing it because we're trying to invalidate their entire ministry. Like, like one of, one of the arguments against us has been that, oh, we're, we're criticizing James White. We must be trying to destroy his entire ministry and say that he shouldn't be a, an elder, that, that nobody should ever listen to him. No, that's not what we're saying. But we have enough respect for men like James White and John MacArthur and Justin Peters and, you know, people in this crowd that because they have good theology, they they have a good following. They they've taught the Bible faithfully for years. But but when they do compromise, because they're so well respected, people will follow them and people will do as they do. And so when they're in error, I'm not trying to destroy James White. I'm not trying to des destroy John MacArthur. It's because I do respect them so much 
that I'm trying to warn other people, okay, look, they're great in all these areas, but this area you got to be careful about. And I think that that's what's missing is that I feel like right now it's an all or nothing. You either like everything that somebody does or you like nothing that they do. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, what if I like 95% of what they do, but this 5% over here has to be dealt with. And I think that that's, that's a part of the conversation within the church that I think is, is really missing. Cause you know, like, like with Brandon and I, Brandon and I are good friends. I respect him and I respect his ministry. He and I disagree on quite a bit theologically, but we have a common purpose in that we both want biblical Christianity. We both want the church to function the way that the church is supposed to function. And right now it's not, it's not doing that at all. And I, and I think, I think a lot of it is the celebrity worship that's happening in the church. Mm. Um, and you know, whether it's the MacArthurites or the hardcore followers of John Piper or the gospel coalition, for whatever reason, it's like people follow the leader and then whatever they say goes, it's almost like the Pope <laughs> to, to yeah, a certain right. degree. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, like, so like what, what's, what's your, what's your perspective on, on a lot of that kind of stuff in the sense of like, what, what's the way to, what's the way to resolve this? Cause I feel like, again, we're seeing so much compromise. Like what, what's your, what's your take on all this? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a, it's much like what we see now. I'll tell you what these guys have done. Used to, you could have conversations with people from different denominations, different eschatologies, and we could all still agree on the complete essentials and know that by the fruit of that person, that was a Christian. Now, what you have done is you've polarized everybody. So you have your faction here and your faction there and these people there and those people there, and they absolutely hate each other now and you don't want to listen and discuss anything. Um, So now, uh, what's the solution to that is (laughs) what we're doing right now. Keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are going to get angry. Uh, We're going to have to deal with uh, religious snowflakes. Um, We're going to have to deal with people who are acting out of emotion. Um, But we just got to wade through it. Uh, And uh, because in my opinion is we know the truth and God has set us forth this and, and no matter all the things that keeps happening to us, he's expects us to keep doing what we're doing and to keep saying it repeatedly. And that's why, because the church, nobody thinks the church is just like this giant church. No, the church is actually like this big. Not that, I mean, you have a lot of people that attend church, but they aren't church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, like I said, that's what you, you know, like you said, the, um, celebrity worship and everything we're going to have to deal with that all the time so what we have to do is just uh keep uh using the facts and the evidence uh we need to um this is something that i need to work on and and it's is i need to get better at presenting the facts and and the way you do it is just to do it repeatedly it's like you change that in your brain uh and so it begins here with us uh that's what you do with gatekeepers is uh, we're telling the truth, uh, and we're setting forth a discussion among Christians. Yeah. And maybe if some people who aren't Christian read that, it might help them too. Uh, but our focus is uh, on the body because we can't go without the feet or the hands or the arms because we all have different gifts and we all have 
uh, see things that you or I are not seeing, but we're so polarized with each other. Uh, we have to bring it back to scripture instead of riding on our heart. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, everything's, oh, it's, it's how I feel instead of what it says. Right. So we keep going and doing what we're doing. And I think that it'll grow from there because if we, if we are doing what's right, God in his uh, providence is probably going to bless that. And I think that it's going to reach who it needs to reach, whether it's big or small. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, I think that's hundred percent, you know, and, and, I th- and I think there's kind of a parallel that's going on right now in, in that, a lot of the same things that we're seeing in the political discourse is the same things we're seeing within the evangelical community. And one thing that I've appreciated is that there's the what they're what they're calling the intellectual dark web, which is guys like Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan, um, Dave Rubin, all these guys. And they're just they're all just sitting down and they're just having conversations with each other. They're willing to discuss the issues and not hate each other over it. And, you know, mm-hmm. you've, you've got people that are, you know, hardcore conservative like Ben Shapiro. You've got people that more liber- they're more libertarian like a Joe Rogan or a Dave Rubin or people that are h- hardcore leftists like uh, I think it's Eric Weinstein or Eric Weinstein. Um, but what they're doing is they're coming together and they're discussing the issues and sometimes they convince each other. Sometimes they just it it just kind of like uh, like iron sharpens iron helps to reinforce what you believe and that sort of thing. And I feel like we're, we're beginning to have that kind of a group with within the church, but it's still very small, but I feel like we need more of that. I mean, we've got like the Brandon house, we've got Steve camp, we've got Janet Mefford. We've got a handful of people that are saying what the truth is even, but they're not a part of that elitist group that are always on the big stages. And so I think the more that we can have these kinds of conversations, the more we can kind of talk through these issues I think I think we'll be able to get somewhere because I think that for whatever reason you've got the main churches, you've got the mega churches, you've got the major denominations, and they're just compromising left and right. And mm-hmm. for whatever reasons, I feel like the pastors aren't seeing it, and I don't I don't know why, but the pastors aren't seeing it. But it's it's the lay people, it's the people in the congregations that are seeing the compromise, and they're the ones that are starting to step up and kind of joining the conversation. And I, and I think that that's kind of where like you and I are too, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a part of any conference circuit or, you know, whatever it is, but I think we, we each can just do what we each can do with whatever God is allowing us to do. And, you know, that's why I appreciate that. Like you're stepping up and you're, you're being a voice, you know, you're writing, you're participating in the conversation in Twitter and, I think, you know, we need, we need more people that will rationally look at the issues, debate them, discuss them. And, you know, I think that's, that's something that I think moving forward, I think we need, we need more voices and not less mm-hmm. like, you know, cause the good old boys club is trying to make it less. We need, we need, we need more, more voices, even if we disagree. Right. Uh, so, you know, hopefully the, uh, by, by speaking and in, in with the disagreements, people need to learn how to disagree too. <laughs> like, <laughs> Man, uh, I'm not the best person. Sometimes I, I, like I said, I've always had a bad. I've had a bad temper since I was a little boy. Uh, but that's what I also recognize. I also recognize that. Okay, I'm starting to get mad here. I'll step away a little bit and then I'll come back. You, you just people need to start learning to do that because we get so dogmatic on the issues that take a step back. Remember that we are talking to somebody who's 
uh, we're going to be in eternity together. Mm -hmm. uh, at least this time, it, and it's take a step back, and then come and then and then come back here and then talk about the subject matter again. Um, instead of well, now I'm mad at you and you're you're calling me names and you know I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think that that we need to learn how to disagree better. Um, and uh, the elitist and the good old boy clubs uh, by us discussing the matters and presenting the facts and continually doing that. Uh, that's what's going to happen and they're going to try and stop us and then that's where you're going to see who it really is intentional and who is doing it out of compassion mm -hmm. by how angry and how much more they come after you uh, then you're going to see who the wolves are uh, and uh, by that reformation the people will start leaving them uh, a lot of times they'll reveal themselves uh, without us having to do very much yeah. uh, just you know, uh, when you start taking away from the people that's intentional, they're threatened and the threatened people come after you. Uh, mm -hmm. So, and I've seen that in dealings I've had, I've, I've had them put my name out there, my address out there. I've, I've been spit on, I've been hit on. I've, I've had urine thrown at me yet, but that's yeah. coming. <laughs> but, uh, uh, they, uh, I think that we're going to start seeing the, the more that the, the ones who are, are, actually causing the problem they're going to fight back harder and then they're going to personally come after you and that's when you know we just keep trucking on and, and doing what we do um and then uh they will reveal themselves and then the people who's going to be with the word of god will go with the word of god and the people who are with them are going to stay with them uh and it'll be just like the catholic church people that stayed catholic and then the protestants became yeah so yeah, that's I, what's going to happen. Then. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think that I think that people need to realize that this reformation that we're talking about that I feel like needs to happen, it's not going to be easy. It's going to it's going to it's going to be a rough fight. And and a lot of that I think is because what people don't realize about a lot of these major ministries and a lot of these major influencers is that there's a lot of money involved with the conference circuit. There's a lot of money with these teaching ministries. I mean, you're talking like multi 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 millions of dollars and so because of that there has been a lot of compromise because there's so much money involved so for those of us that are kind of the small fish that are coming after the big boys for their for their compromise i feel like what's going to happen is we're is they're going to come back and they're going to be attacking a lot of us they're going to be trying to discredit us they're going to be because we're impacting their finances. We're impacting their donations. We're impacting the kind of money that they're bringing in and the the people that are attending their conferences and that sort of thing. And what we have to remember is that it's going to be a long, drawn-out fight. But I feel like it's worth it because truth matters, the church matters, honoring Christ matters, and that comes before finances. That comes before money. And sadly, a lot of these big guys don't see that, and it's it's kind of it's disheartening to a certain degree, um, but it's 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 the reality. Um, so you know, I, I don't like so what what what's what's your view on um, you know because one of the things that's really going around right now is that there's a lot of the good pastors that are speaking with the bad pastors, 
You know, like there's there was a lot of really good pastors that were speaking with Tim Keller that are speaking with Rick Warren coming up. There's that are kind of, it, but then they criticize guys like Michael Brown for speaking on the same stage with other uh, really faith charismatics, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like this double standard. What's what's your take on these the quote unquote good guys that are now speaking with the bad guys? Like what what's behind that? Do you think? Well, uh, you know the the guy. The people who are, are, are wrong are very intelligent, and um, they're able to, you know, fool people. You know, you get uh, with them personally. Uh, I'm sure that they're able to talk to them and, and and have some kind of reasoning to get them there. Now, that's also the thing is this: <laughs> we're going to see who's real and who's not. Uh, I mean, you could, we may think that these are good pastors, but it's just like. Any one of us, we can really reveal who we are by what we do and continue to do. And then if I'm out there saying, well, I shouldn't, I've been willing to get this guy forever, then I go out and I'm doing it. It's fine. That's see, you're revealing yourself. Um, now, uh, we can hope that they're not doing that. And man, I would hope that they start, you know, oh, well, maybe I'm just trying to get a, a platform that's to get my message out. All right, fine. But you also need to, and, we we is is saying, okay. Well, I'm going to speak at this uh, conference, but completely talk about what they are doing wrong. You're on that stage, man. You have a chance now to to. So you're going to find out where you stand. Do you stand on the scripture or do you stand on being the stage, uh, making the money? So you have a chance to say such and such is. I disagree with it because they are doing that. And I'm speaking here for you to hear my message. But what he is doing is wrong and he's got to stop this. And as a brother in Christ, please stop doing this. This is why you need to stop doing it and go right to the scripture. And then you tell them, do not follow that doctrine. And then do your speaking. I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think mm-hmm. that would be a great way for them to do it. But are they going to do that? And I think that the, if you start seeing them, more and more interacting with those people. It's like anything else. Okay. I know where you're going because those guys who are up there above you already started that way themselves. So, and it's not like that information is not out there where they don't know. I mean, personally, if Rick Warren's on the stage or any of them, I don't even want to be in the same area with that guy. Cause man, he's going to probably call security on me. Cause I'm going to pull out the Bible and we're going to sit there and talk, and he's going to run from me, waving me off, man, because that guy's uh, caused too many problems that we, we he needs to have somebody make him a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that we'll see any of that from those people because we <laughs> got to stop trying to be uh, uh, friends with everybody. You, I could be your friend, but I'm going to tell you you can't do something, just mm-hmm. the same as anybody else, like, if I'm ever caught doing something that somebody knows is wrong, you have to tell me because maybe I don't know I'm doing that wrong. Right. Or maybe I'm just being stupid. And me, and, and if I get mad at you or they get mad at you, fine. Uh, it's better that you're mad at me and then you still change. Uh, that's what needs to start happening. I don't think, that, like I said, I still think I would go there, especially if there's like more than one. Mm-hmm. that you're on the stage with that's a problem now if you got that one guy there okay there's that crazy guy we're gonna bring him but why are they bringing him here oh because it's gonna draw in their crowd yep 
but you, you're still letting them speak falsehoods on the stage instead of stepping up and saying something. And I don't know about you. I haven't seen any of those guys say, well, uh, yeah, I was there and Rick Warren used to stop what he's doing or whoever they're on stage with. You never see that because you know what? They'd be dropped off of the platform. Yeah, they, they would never be invited back. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So okay, so so kind of in closing, you know, everybody's everybody's been kind of hearing our our take on a lot of the issues that the church is facing, and you know, there's a lot of compromise that's that's going on. What what do, what would you advise people that are just sitting back? They're not in ministry themselves, but they're faithful to the Bible. They're godly Christians, and they're like, okay, so I agree, there's a problem, but what what can I do? You know, I, I'm not a pastor. I'm not in ministry. I'm not. Um, I'm not invited to speak at any of these conferences. What can me, just little old me, do to help the cause and help f- fix the church? What's your take on that? Well, there's a number of things that you can do, but I would say that the first thing that you can do as a person, and this is how I started, is to talk to the person in front of you about it. The people that sits beside you, the people that you talk to on the phone, the people you go to ball games with, have conversations with those people. You know what you're going to find? Most of the time, they don't know what you're talking about. But because you said something, you got that information out. And you know what? Those people will go, they'll go and they'll talk about it. And that person will talk about it. And it becomes this network of people talking about the issues. And that's how change happens is those people may talk to this guy or that guy and that guy about the issue. And somebody that's important and can make an impact is going to get an ear of that. Uh, and also I would say that uh, start going on to people's sites that uh, have built a platform and um, have worked really hard to uh, have the information before you uh, and start sharing that information. Um, if you, if you feel that maybe you, you're uncomfortable with talking to, about it factually. Okay, well, you have people out there that's already got this information for you. Take that information and then get it in the other people's hands. And you can do that through any means. You, I mean, you guys are familiar with giving Bible tracts. Well, it's the same kind of thing with uh, information. Uh, you just get that and you sit there and show it to them. I mean, you can go to YouTube and find stuff, uh, but the, you, you need to start talking. You need to start talking to everybody that you sit with. Because likely that guy that's sitting by you doesn't know it. And you know what? That could be the guy that ends up making a compromise later and, and, and makes this worse. So by you could stop something early by starting to talk now. Just talk to people. Start. It doesn't have to be crazy. Just open up the conversation about it. For sure, totally. And so, so uh, you know, as as we're kind of wrapping up, uh, how can people uh, be following you on? Like, what's your social media handles? Um, if, if people want to get in contact with you, how how can they do that and that sort of thing? Uh, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at D Lloyd Falk, which is at D L O Y D F A U L K. You can also go on to another thing I'm building. You know, uh, Battlefront Broadcasting. Uh, you can start following that handle, which is at BF underscore F-R-O-N-T-L-I-N-E. Uh, you can also email me at battlefrontbroadcasting at outlook.com. Uh, I'm working on right now building a website and, and everything. Uh, so you'll start seeing all that come out. I'll be releasing more of that. You'll see that on my Twitter. I'll keep mm-hmm. everybody posted. Uh, 
my goal is to start having that more in line uh, probably early next year. Uh, but you know, I got you got to spend some money to do it. Yep. Uh, and I've already got a building. You know, I've been talking about this forever. I have a building. I'm building a studio. Nice. Uh, but um, so uh, follow me on Twitter. Twitter's the best way to follow me. Uh, you can. I don't, I'm not against DMs. I get them from bots all the time. So I'll read the DMs. <laughs> so send me a DM if you want to, um, whether you agree or disagree with me. But if you disagree with me, I would ask that you bring me the evidence and the information that shows why you disagree with me. I don't want, I, you can't, you, if you're going to have an opinion, uh, that's fine. But I'm likely to listen to you more if you can show me why you believe that. Uh, that's, that's the only way that works on anybody most of the time anyway. So yeah, hundred percent. And just kind of going off of that really, really quick. I think that just if you're confronting somebody because you disagree with them, just because you don't change their mind doesn't mean that you did that either you didn't do a good job or does, and it doesn't mean that you're wrong. Um, because, because I think, I think that what ends up happening is a lot of people will say, well, I tried to convince him and, and he didn't change his mind. It's like, well, it's either one of two things. Either they have a blind spot, which could entirely be the case, or you didn't make a compelling enough argument. And so then go back, do more research, come up with a more compelling argument that's more rooted in scripture, and then you can either come back to them or you at least know the better strategy and the better route to go. And so – but again – you're not going to learn all this and you're not going to be growing unless you're talking to people and even just talking to people that you disagree with and trying to convince them and trying to share the truth with them. And that's an important thing that I think we need more of in the church where we're not offended when somebody tries to confront us. Um, and, but we, we also shouldn't be defend, uh, we also shouldn't be offended if they don't change their mind when I confront them. So it's, again, it's important mm-hmm. to have that conversation. I, and I really appreciate that you're always willing to have that conversation as well. So, mm-hmm. um, and then for, uh, everybody else as well, you can follow, um, if you go to gatekeepersonline.com, you can, uh, read articles from Dustin, from myself, from Shu. We're adding some other, um, contributors here in the next uh, few weeks as well. Uh, you can also follow me at Jeff, the GK on Twitter, follow the gatekeepers on Twitter at, uh, the GK online, and just go out there, stay in God's word, um, keep studying scripture, but just keep talking to people, keep conversing, because that's the only way that we're actually going to bring the church back to biblical Christianity. So thanks so much for tuning in. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. 
Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org.